Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Purdy's have served this valley for decades, given back to the valley for decades, too. We just had the Purdy Memorial Golf Tournament to benefit the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. And when it comes to your insurance needs, hey, they vary. Auto, home, life, maybe you need business insurance. They'll find you exactly the insurance to make sure you're covered. They'll make sure they find absolutely the best price available. And then customer service through the life of every policy that you have. They will be there for you. That is Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Not only that, you know what? They're just really great people to deal with. It's one thing we're fortunate on this show. You know, you look at the primary sponsor of this show, they're all people I deeply believe in, companies I deeply believe in, whether it's Sunbury Motors, Purdy, Brewers Outlet. I mean, it's great people. All right, time now for our play-by-play call of the day. And uh, Larry Colmus with the call of the Belmont Stakes. And they're into the stretch. And it is Jovia and Tex. Sir Winston comes up from the outside. And he got in front of War of Will. And Sir Winston has moved to the center of the track under Joel Rosario to take the lead. On the inside, Jovia fights on. Tacitus is there. And then Tex between horses. Master Fencer on the far outside. They're coming to the finish. And Sir Winston has won the Belmont Stakes. And then it was Tacitus second, followed by Jovia third. It's a photo for fourth. The final time was two minutes, 28.30 seconds. Just the third win in 10 starts for Sir Winston. So Mark Cassie trains the Preakness winner and the Belmont winner, but it's two different horses as Sir Winston, a 10-to-1 shot, comes through with the victory here in the Belmont Stakes. I'm not even sure the owner bet on him. All right, so... (laughs) Absolutely. Now, isn't it ironic? The race is run on June 8th, right? You know who Sir Winston's named after, right? Winston Churchill. Two days after the 75th anniversary of D-Day, Sir Winston wins the Belmont Stakes. Hmm. How about that? Again, more useless knowledge for that party you're having this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of useless knowledge. We lead the league in useless knowledge. We do, but hey, it's there. When you need it, it's there and it's valuable. It's priceless. Uh, well, uh, how do you like my PIAA solution? Common sense. Common sense rules there. Yeah. 
Well, in other words, I, I didn't like. I didn't like when they went to six. I was like, what the heck? I mean, how cluttered do you want this to be now? Now well, it's just, you know, I mean, we're getting to the point, and I might as well have 100 of them and give a trophy to everybody. All right. But now, but since there are six already in place, go back to the old system for public schools only of A, double A, triple A, quad A. And then since six are already in place, then take the other two and make that for the private and charter schools. The only thing that you need to do is just make sure that the numbers are correct as to school enrollment, the A through quad A, and then larger private and larger charter schools, boom, can be in one category, smaller charter and smaller private schools can be in the other category. You can go from there. That way I feel like it evens out the playing field. You were going to say? Oh, uh, speaking of PIAA, uh, baseball today, Seawans Grove Final Four in uh, Quad A in baseball. They were supposed to play today at 4 uh, because of the threatening weather that has been moved back to tomorrow, 4 p.m. at Central Columbia. It is Seawans Grove versus Hamburg for the right to go for the Quad A state championship later this week. At Medler Field, LeBrano Park, here. Here. That's where it's going to be. Great ballpark. The PIAA loves bringing you to the ballpark here. They love it. It's not that they did not like uh, City Island, which is great. It is not like they didn't like going to People's Natural Gas Park in Altoona, where the curb play. Great. Uh, but here's the difference. The difference is in appearance. It's it's uh, appearance is the wrong world, wrong word. It's in perception. There we go. The difference is in perception. When they would go to City Island, or they would go to Altoona, two double A ballparks. Geez, I want to say both are around nine thousand, at least in that neighborhood. You get a crowd of two to three thousand in there, and that's a terrific crowd. You know, because the the two fan bases are the ones that are going. There are very few neutral people that go, I think I'm just going to go to the high school championship game today. It's like, okay. Hardly anybody does that. It's the fan bases from the two towns or the two areas that come out to the game. Well, you get two to 3,000 people. Terrific. Except when you've got 6,000 empty seats, it doesn't look as terrific, perception-wise. Now you take the same 3,000 and you put them in Medler Field or Ronald Park, where instead of having one-third of the seats taken and two-thirds empty, you've now got 60% of the ballpark filled. And perception-wise, it looks great. And they've talked to me about this. One, of the, you know, they, they love bringing it up here to begin with, and they're really treated well here. But the ballpark's also a perfect size for what they want to do. That's brand you know, brand new. It's only fourteen years old. And I said, "What you do? Fourteen? It's that? It's actually thirteen years old." The ballpark. It's the fourteenth season for the Spikes, but it's the, the ballpark's 
been open 14 years, uh, 13 years. So it's all part of perception. Very important. But again, that's how I'd like to take it. A, double, triple, quad, now your public schools are taken care of. Take the other two divisions of private schools, small and large, split them up, and you still can keep six championship games. No offense, I don't really see why that's so hard. Okay? Let me give you an example. Okay. Hard. Manhattan Project. Not so hard. Splitting up PIAA. <laughs> okay. Manhattan Project. Okay. Okay. Atomic bomb. Hard. Okay. Divisions for PIAA sports. Not so hard. I think that always puts it in perspective, don't you think? It does. On the money. <laughs> this is really hard. No, the Manhattan Project's hard. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Splitting this up, not so hard. Just do it. <laughs> Everybody tries to make their situation so complicated. It's so important. It's very complicated. Yeah, it's important, but it's not as complicated as you think. They've got all. I mean, did you see the titles of these guys? Oh, the, uh, the head of the sub-regional, blah blah blah. Going, oh, for goodness sakes! By the time they're done doing the title, the press conference is going to be two thirds over. <laughs> all right. The um, Phillies play tonight with the Braves. Or excuse me, the Phillies play tonight with the Diamondbacks. It's the Pirates of the Braves. The Phillies and the Braves are separated by a game. And uh, the Red Sox are going to send a plane to the Dominican Republic to transport David Ortiz back to Boston. Evidently, the security camera footage of the establishment shows that this guy walked right in straight toward him and shot him right in the back. And they say as soon as he's ready to be transported, the Red Sox are going to transfer transport him back. Yeah, the quality of the video is quite grainy, but uh, but it is it is very eerie. Yeah. The guy steps into the picture. So, what is uh happened about 8:50 last night it was point blank. And he was beaten by the crowd at the bar when he was after this happened. They said that the guy that shot him suffered a cranium contusion and trauma to his thorax, left knee, right leg. And no one in the bar felt bad for him whatsoever. Well, it's vigilante justice, and, you know, it's the Dominican Republic, so I'm not going to sit there and pretend that I know the laws and vigilante justice there. Uh, Ortiz... Had his gallbladder removed. He also has, I think, had part of his intestine removed. Yeah, they, they found the, they found bleeding from his liver and from yeah. his bowel, so they had to get that controlled as well. Yep. And the name of the attacker has been identified as 25-year-old Eddie Feliz Garcia. He was treated at a local hospital before being released into police custody. 
Look, and what, you know, and why he did this, nobody knows. I mean, no, nobody knows. Then there's the Terry Bowden story. Did you hear this one? Terry Bowden, former head coach at Auburn, former head coach seven years at Akron, has become a non-paid, non-paid grad assistant at Clemson. He's going to get a master's degree in athletic leadership. Okay, he was the head coach at Auburn and the head coach at Akron. Wow, shouldn't going he be, back to school. Wow. Shouldn't shouldn't he be teaching the class? You would think. <laughs> you would think. <laughs> Who says you go, can't go back to school again? Well, you know, the irony is, you know who Dabu Swinney replaced, right? Tommy Bowden, Terry's brother. That's who he replaced. So he's going back to school. Now with Akron, he went 39-60. and 60. Believe it or not, those 39 wins are set the second most in Akron history. When he was at Auburn, he was 47-17-1. In 93, they went 11-0. and He lost out the national championship that year to his dad's team, Florida State, in 93. And Charles Matthews, Michigan basketball player, was working out for the Celtics. I thought he might be a mid-to-late-round, second-round pick. And a lot of people have really been impressed, and they should be, with his defense. But... Unfortunately, in the workout for the Celtics, he tore his ACL. So, how long he's out, who knows, but he, but Matthews tore his ACL in a workout getting ready for the NBA draft. And he's going to have the... Uh, Surgery done in Chicago. He had he had uh, one year left if you wanted to. He was Matthews is already twenty two. Just so you know, because remember he sat out a year going from Kentucky to Michigan. I'm going to get into that in a moment because there's something to be said about that. And Kevin Durant, not only with plans to play tonight, Kevin Durant will start tonight for the Golden State Warriors. Now, the injury that he had was supposed to be a four- to six-week injury. And this this turns out that this is, what, five weeks since it happened? So timetable-wise, it makes sense. The area you worry about above all is actually conditioning, believe it or not. But not only is Durant planning on playing tonight, he's actually going to start tonight, according to reports. We'll see if that's enough to save them. They're down 3-1. Toronto looking for their first championship. Back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. 
For nearly 100 years, Purdy Insurance has been your locally owned, family operated source for insurance products. With a staff of over 20 and partnerships with some of the industry's most trusted companies, Purdy has the experience and resources to get the job done. Whether you need personal home and auto or complex business insurance solutions, Purdy will help you navigate through the process. Call today at 570-286-5855. Or better yet, stop in their Sunbury office to see what Purdy Insurance can do for you. All right, great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Kevin Durant will... uh, Evidently, not only play tonight, but he is going to start tonight. And to be honest with you, that makes complete sense. I think the actually the the toughest parts will be the time where he plays, then he goes to the bench and has to come back, and then to start the second half. Because you haven't you haven't gone in a long period of time. Because you have not gone out there and played for a long period of time, you will stiffen up. This is what has been proven about in this series. Number one, let's not take anything away from Toronto. They played terrific. Kawhi Leonard's been incredible. Kyle Lowry's had some good moments. Pascal Siakam's been very good. Danny Green's had really good moments. I mean, they've they've played well, and they've had a go-to guy that's been terrific. I think... In a lot of ways, Golden State looks tired, and I think part of the reason why they look tired is that without Durant, everybody else has had to do more. Steph Curry's had to do a lot more. Remember, Clay Thompson missed a game. Well, they really had to do a lot more without him. Thompson, when he's when he's been out there, has been terrific. Curry's been really good. Draymond Green, you would expect that if he's the star everybody says he is, he had to be the one to step up in this role during this series and play it, and he is not. He needs Durant more than anybody. He may complain about him once in a while, but guess what? He needs him more than anybody else. And Iguodala looks tired. The rest of the guys, I mean, let's let's be honest about it. Hey, Cousins is okay. You know, Looney, Looney, by the way, gives you everything he has. Looney gives you everything he has. But there's a ceiling to that. But Kenny's the same way. There's a ceiling to that. Quinn Cook, there's a ceiling as to what he can do. I mean, these guys are, you know, first of all, being a role player in the NBA means you're really, really good. And you're really, really good if you're a role player in the NBA. Okay? But compared to the to the Currys and the Durants and the Leonards of the world, you're not as good. That's why you're a role player. See, there's always that relative line. as to you're really, really good to be in the league. The only way you can get to the league is if you're really, really good. But you're also not as good as the stars in the league. And when you lose a star, there aren't enough role players in the world that can make up for a star because Durant, you can argue, is one of the top three players in the game. You can argue he's the best player in the game. So it's not a question of, ah, he stinks. You know how I feel about that. I think that's that's ignorant. Uh, because of that star status, Durant has moved up from 60-1 to 1 to 9-1 to 1 
to win the finals MVP since it was reported that he'll play tonight in Game 5. And we were talking about lines earlier. Uh, Toronto originally was favored by 2.5. That was the open, so obviously back then we figured you know, Durant would not be playing tonight. Now only favored by one point are the Raptors. It's almost a pick em. Yeah. And total points at 215 at the over-under. Now let's look at the other part. Say Toronto wins tonight. They'll get two two things. A, they'll get their first NBA championship, which they will have earned. And number two, they can say, hey, look, they brought Durant back in. We still beat him. Right? I never quite understand. I, I guess if I have money on it, I understand it. But you know me, I put money on nothing. I mean, I'll donate money, but I won't gamble money. And, but I never understand why, when it comes to the purity of the game, why people get excited. Oh, did you hear X is out? I'd rather win the game with X in there. But that's just me. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance. Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Father's Day normally means a new tie, a pair of socks. If Dad is really lucky, maybe some new golf balls. Well, Sunbury Motors is honoring Dads with the father of all sales. SMC has 125 new trucks with savings up to 16 grand. The Ford F-150 has been the number one selling vehicle for 42 consecutive years. And one has sold every 20. 29 seconds. SMC has 2019 F-150s from 25904. Plus, there's 0% financing for up to 72 months on 2019 F-150s. There's 16 of the all-new 2019 Ford Ranger 4x4s in both extended and crew cabs starting as low as 34870. And Sunbury Motors needs your old truck, so they'll give you the most money for your truck trade, period. It's the father of all sales going on now. So hurry into Sunbury Motors in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, Force Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Roots 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Big Father's Day sale. Yeah, coming up. And today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. Auto, home, life, business. Whatever your insurance needs, they're the best in the business. They'll find the right insurance so you're covered. They'll make sure it's the best price. And then they will take care of that policy meticulously for you. You never have any worries. They'll guide you every step of the way. There is a claim. They'll go to work for you as if it happened to them. Customer service means everything. At Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury, go to purdyinsurance.com. Kevin Durant will not only play tonight, evidently he's going to start. Look, if you're going to be able to play, might as well start. Might as well come out of the warm-up where you're loosened up and warm and set to go. I think warming up, then sitting, and then playing is not the right formula. I think you've got to be able to warm up, and if you're warm up and warmed up and you're ready to play, play. 
I think gives your bet you the best chance of success instead of warming up, sitting, stiffening up, then going into the game. You might as well warm up, then play. The toughest part for Durant will be the time where he has to go out of the game, then come back in, then the next one's going to be coming out of the locker room at halftime. I mean that that will be, you know, for him the toughest part. Can getting him out there is that enough to swing the series? Because to be honest with you, I watched Game Four, and I didn't, you know, I didn't feel like the Warriors were competitive, especially in the third quarter. Just didn't seem like they were competitive. And then, who can who can predict the Bruins and Blues thing? Nobody. That's why we love sports. There's that unpredictability of it. And by the way, there was a use of instant replay last night. That is how it should be used. The Blues' one goal was on one where it looked like, well, he did. He kicked it out, took a rask. But the pad was well behind the goal line when he contacted the puck, so the puck was in. Puck was in. Well, they they had a camera up above show that the puck was in, they got the goal. Now, that's how you use instant replay. And you could tell right away, as soon as they went to the above look, that was a goal. And that goes to my thought. To me, the use of instant replay should be you got 30 to 45 seconds. If you can't tell in 30 to 45 seconds, especially 30 seconds, if you can't look at that thing in 30 seconds and figure out what the deal is, then you go with the call on the court of the field. If you can't tell in 30 seconds after looking at it, and 30 seconds is actually a long time, you can't tell in 30 seconds, bag it, move on. Oh, slow it down, looking for a fingernail, looking for, you know, did a finger move? Yeah, I think I'm getting sick of looking at it. Like, oh, they're going to go to the replay again. And it's like, and believe me, I think we echo what you're thinking. I think the lot oh, geez, here we go. They're going to look at it. Well, that's going on now. And if you can look at it, right away you can tell, right away, then obviously you've now you've been able to correct an egregious error. But if you're like having to like run it back and forth, just stop it. Go with the call on the field. Get back to the game. Get back to the game. How do you look at it, Sean? I'm kind of looking a little further down the road when when we get into NFL. Um, just how much slower will pace of play be now with? Uh, you know, the laxing of some of the uh, pass interference rules. If uh, many more plays are going to be, uh, you know, put on the on the video board for the refs to look at. They will rue the day they pass that rule. Yeah. They will. They'll rue the day they did it. You know, okay, you look at a play. You and the suit are running downfield, okay? You're the receiver. Okay. Suits grabbing your arm, grabbing your arm, grabbing your arm. But guess what? You then take, what are you doing with your arm? You're, you're knocking his arm off and you're pushing him. Okay, tell me who's interfering. Looks to me like they both are. 
Every time I look at a replay, I'd say 75% of the replays I look at in pass interference, they're both contacting each other. And what bothers me about this rule in particular is an assumption is being made about pass interference. What's the assumption? You're assuming that the receiver is going to catch the ball. Well, I've done enough games in my career, I can tell you right now, I don't think you can assume that. And the other knock I have on on instant replay, now taking it to college basketball, just the way, you know, the final one minute or 90 seconds of just seems like every single game is when the referees have to go to the table to, you know, to reset the game clock. It just feels like the last one minute, 90 seconds of each game takes 10, 15 minutes. Well, the final four ended yesterday. Uh, So it's, you know, it is taking a while. No, all that, it's just everything's just stop, stop, stop. That's why when we had Tab Boyle on the show, that was the one major question I had for him was why are they putting in, see, you can take something, you can overreact to it. The Saints Rams game, they overreacted to it. Well, the same thing. There was a game between Kentucky and Tennessee, a goaltending play, and they overreacted to it. They put in a rule. It's only in the last two minutes, but they can go and they can look at goaltending. Now, I will freely admit to everybody that I've been a proponent of goaltending involving the backboard. I've always been in favor of being looked at anyway. Because that there's so many questions uh, so many cameras around a backboard now. You can see if the ball was hit first and then hit the backboard, or hit the backboard first and then was hit by the player, which is then goaltending. That's one that you can take a look at and get a definitive call, but you can't tell based on a replay whether the ball's at the apex. Come me a break. Play on. I mean, I don't want these, you know, this isn't a question of, and I've talked about this with baseball, about pace of play. I don't want baseball going at the speed of sound. I don't want that. But I do want, you know, but it becomes a bit ridiculous at times on the part of certain players. And this happens in golf, too. How often do you hear about, you know, the geez, they're being warned they're on the clock they're more than a hole behind because you've got a player or maybe two players that every single shot I've got to look at it I've got to visualize it I've got to just step up and hit the ball I noticed this yesterday morning watching the French Open Championship and I didn't know they had this rule in play and it's like a shot clock in the NBA you have a certain time was it 30 seconds to get the first serve in play yep. and Rafa Nadal for years and years he's notorious just standing there at the back line slow bouncing the ball bouncing the ball bouncing the ball and they showed uh with the uh the stats in the bottom left corner of the screen NBC Sports at one time uh, uh showed the countdown clock and he milked it down with about a half a second <laughs> to go he finally got the ball in play well and now back to baseball And it's the same thing. 
I think you'll find that most pitchers, when nobody's on base, and this has been my experience of doing minor league baseball, okay, when nobody's on base, most pitchers get the ball, boom, get the sign, make the pitch, get the ball, sign, pitch. You know, and, and of course, in the New York Penn League, which opens up Friday night, Williamsport State College of Williamsport will play at Bowman Field Friday at seven oh five. You'll find that the second somebody gets on base, and they've got the one foot in the bat in the box rule too. You can, you look down to third with a foot in the box. You know, you can't get out of the box completely unless you've taken a swing. Now you've got to. You know, your balance is now off. You have to reset. So you take a swing, you foul it off, you miss it. You're allowed to step out of the box. The only time you're allowed to step out. Okay. But then when somebody gets on base, oh, my goodness, Sean, that's when the game slows to a crawl. I've always found that to be interesting. I mean, I understand holding a runner on base. Hold on, it's a suit's private line. <laughs> Here, Replay on. official, Here. line one. No, just hold on. Yeah. Go sell something. There we go. Okay, <laughs> I hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> somebody gets on base, and that's when it slows down. Now, I realize it can be a little cat and mouse with, uh, say, for example... You know, Mookie Betts played at one point in the New York Penn League. Okay, he was the second baseman for Lowell. So Mookie Betts gets on base, and Mookie Betts can run, right? Well, I can understand you want to keep him close, maybe throw over a couple times, whatever. But these guys get to a point where they've got to sit there, think, step off, okay, recycle, let's start again. Blah, blah, blah. Steal, that's always love, stealing signs, right? Who cares about stealing signs? I mean, in all seriousness, who cares about stealing signs? Okay, it depends on the location of the pitch. And I realize with hitters like this, if they know it's going to be a fastball, okay, they, they're going to maybe, you know, get into their swing pattern earlier. But for goodness' sakes, just execute! Just execute! Get the ball, look in. For the most part, keep your pace. If you want to in that in that same, you can actually get the runner thinking twice. If you're sitting there, you're going at pretty much the same pace with nobody on base. You can go to a set position. They think you're going to go to the plate, and then all of a sudden you go to first. And you're just, you know, but you're just working quickly. Well, it's not only great for the fans; it's great for the fielders because they're sitting there and like, okay, now they're wait, 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 wait. It's too much of that, Sean. That's why you know Nadal takes forever. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think who in the PGA Tour is slow. McElroy won yesterday. McElroy plays fast. McElroy's enjoyable to watch. Because McElroy would just get up there, you know, and he's got all this great talent, and he doesn't waste any time. In fact, they've got people saying, well, you know, he's got to slow down a bit. Slow down for what? Okay? What's the difference between standing there and looking at the ball and hitting it, or standing there for 30 seconds and then hitting it. You're still standing there, and the ball still hasn't moved. (laughs) I am not a tremendous... I mean, I know everyone talks about the mental side of the game. We hear about that all the time. All right. 
I'm fine with the mental part of the game that you know, but to me the mental part um the mental part of the game to me is the part where you're where you're prepared for everything. Okay, where you're prepared to me the mental part of the game is the part where you watch the extra tape. You think and anticipate as to where something's going to be. You know your scouting report. To me, that's the mental part of the game. To me, all this mumbo-jumbo about stare at the front of the rim, watch the ball. Oh, please. The sports psychology of that stuff is ridiculous. that, That stuff becomes ridiculous. To me, the mental side of the game is the side where you are prepared for it. All right, this pitcher throws fastball, curveball, changeup. Okay, he likes to throw his changeup when there's a two-strike count. Things like that. That's to me, is the mental part of the game. Hockey. All right, I've watched him over and over again. Right, blocker side's the side that he's most vulnerable. Blocker side high. Right, because I prepare to look football. Okay. If I make this particular move on this guy, he's not good at handling that move. He's not good at leverage to the sideline. He's a one-trick pony when he rushes you. He likes to do this in a spin move. That, to me, is the mental side of the game. That's, That's preparation. That's where you take the other days of the week, and you are getting ready for the game you're about to play. That's the mental side, not all this visualization mumbo jumbo. And it is. It's mumbo. The visualization thing is mumbo jumbo. I can picture the ball going into the hole. Well, guess what? I can picture going into the hole too and I actually see it happen. They've got these guys into this thinking routine all the time. Yes, I've got to visualize the shot. Just grab the seven iron and hit it. Okay? You're a professional. (laughs) There's a reason you're on the tour. You're good enough. Hit it. (laughs) I've got to visualize the shot. Okay. I'll just, like, keep your head down. (laughs) I'm around this all the time, Sean. It's not as complicated as the sports psychologists may get out to be. Not even remotely close. Not even close. And if there's a sports psychologist out there that doesn't like what I'm saying, I'm not going to apologize to you. I'm around it every single day. And I think preparation is, is the mental side of the game. Okay, visualization is mumbo jumbo. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Purdy Insurance. All right, wrapping up on a Monday, Kevin Durant not only expected to play tonight, they expect him to start. Look, if he's going to be able to play and he's available, just go from warm up and into the game. Don't have him sit on the bench. I think if he's going to play, then start him. And the reason is, again, you don't want that leg stiffening up while he sits there. If he's warmed up, play him. Uh, I think a question that's been... 
that's been kicked around here the last week is uh, when he gets when he finally gets back out on the court, is he one hundred percent back healthy? Oh no, he won't be. No, he won't be. No. The question is going to be in part also conditioning. I mean, but again, this is a decision not made by Steve Kerr. It is not made by ownership. This decision is made by the athletic training staff. Is he cleared to play? They have all. There are two entities that have all the control here: the athletic training staff and the player. Well, if the athletic training staff says he is cleared to play, and the player says, "Yeah, I want to play. I feel good enough to play," then you play them. If either entity says no, you can't play them. If the athletic training staff says no, even if the player says yes, boom, you're out. If the athletic training staff says, yeah, he's cleared to play, and the player says he doesn't quite feel right, then you can't play him. Well, if both entities say yes, then you can play him. They have all, those are the two entities that have all the control here. And so evidently the training staff must have said yes, and so did Durant. Now it's up to Steve Kerr, and to me the prudent move is this. You go through warm-up where you loosen up that leg. All right, and then you start him because the leg is loose. Don't allow him to get into a cool down situation where now he's got to go back out and he's stiffened up a bit. That'll be the next challenge. There'll be two challenges for him tonight: the times he has to sit and then come back in and loosen up again, and the other challenge will be obviously conditioning because he hasn't played in five weeks. Now he's he's a supremely conditioned athlete, but. You know, still he has not had the rigors of running up and down an NBA basketball court for five weeks. So that'll be tonight. Look, Toronto can win their first title despite all this. And that's what they're aiming to do tonight. Kawhi Leonard's been brilliant. Lowry's been really good. Pascal Siakam's been good. Danny Green's had his moments. Serge Ibaka off the bench has been very good. So that is tonight, and then the Bruins game. As you mentioned to me, the Bruins, the Bruins, uh, this Red Sox game on Wednesday is going to be at four o'clock because the Bruins game's at eight. Today's show brought to you by Purdy Insurance, Market Street in Sunbury. Go to purdyinsurance.com. And we're in the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Neil Kulong on the show tomorrow to talk about the NFL. Looking forward to that. John Urschel joins us at 3.35 on Friday. We'll talk about his new book and life after the NFL. For Sean Carey, Steve Jones, great to have you with us here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. You're home for the Phillies. Tonight, they've got Arizona. 6.30 the airtime, 7.05, first pitch. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.